the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Mission America and may contain views and opinions that do not reflect the views of the advertisers, staff, and owners of this station. Some material may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah, I used to be a liberal, too. We're going to have nothing but propaganda in many of our schools. I've seen teachers tell children that they are girls trapped in boys' bodies. Remember, the Bible speaks extensively about a coming lawlessness. For the most part, it was far-left agitators pushing the violence. You know, our founders told us there's only one way to keep a free republic. You have to have a well-educated and moral citizenry. Yep, I used to be a liberal too. This is Mission America with Linda Harvey. Because with God, all things, all things, all things are still possible. Good afternoon, friends, and welcome to Mission America Radio. I'm Linda Harvey, and I'm so very glad you've joined us this afternoon. Please visit our website at missionamerica.com. That's missionamerica.com for more information about our organization and to read news articles and Christian commentary on the culture. And don't forget to listen to my daily commentaries right here, Monday through Friday, on the word Columbus at 1020 a.m. Eastern Time, for those of you listening from across the world. And also be sure to check out all our resources for parents who want to be watchful about the culture's influence on your kids. And you can learn more right on our website at missionamerica.com. Did you know that there are workshops for post-abortion healing? That's right. Most pregnancy centers and some churches offer them, and women who have attended sing the praises of these gatherings in bringing step-by-step reconciliation with the past and the ability to confidently face the future knowing God has forgiven you and will restore you. Well, there's a new, really powerful book that's out that describes, without using real names, the stories of some women going through just such a workshop. And the author is my guest today. Cynthia Jordan is a freelance writer who has over 20 years experience at pregnancy centers, both as a staff member and as a volunteer. While healing from her own abortion experiences. Cynthia has led post-abortion healing workshops for over 10 years and has led more than 100 women through post-abortion healing. She has an, an, uh, an adult son and lives in the Midwest, and her book is called A Future and a Hope, and you can learn more about that at the website called Jordan Books. It's jordan-books.com. So welcome to Mission America Radio, Cynthia. Thank you, Linda. It's great to be with you. So walk us through the beginning of your decision to 
write a book about what you've been doing and a little bit about your background? Well, I wrote this book actually more than 10 years ago. Uh, I had uh, applied for a job at a pregnancy center, and they said, well, if you're post-abortive, we do ask that you go through this program. And um, it was a secret that I had kept well hidden. I had actually gone through a previous uh, very brief group at my church, but I, I wanted to comply, so I did go through this group and thought that, um, you know, thought that I was doing okay. But I, I learned that there was a lot more healing to be had and that God is very merciful and certainly meets us where we are. And it was, it was life-changing. So many years later, I wow. sat down and I thought I could write this book to help other women. And uh, that's how it all began. Well, the, the interesting thing about this book, it's really, it's really, you can hardly put it down. It's a story, and it's stories of women. And you, you said that some are, um, you know, they use, use anonymous names, and um, it's based on, the, you know, the real situations of some women and how they go through their own, their own workshop and um, a little bit about the, um, their thoughts process as, as they come to the meetings, as they think about skipping the meetings, as they're, you know, walked through all this. So um, these are actually real women that you've probably come in contact with in your, in your workshops. Yes. A couple of them are definitely based on uh, true situations. One in fact was so close uh, to the real story that I, I talked with her and said, is it okay if I use this story? Other ones are kind of compilations, but uh, another story that is based on a true person is a nurse who was in one of the groups who had a recurring drug problem. And mm-hmm. she would get it together and get a different job and, you know, and, and just fall backwards. And ultimately the issue uh, stemmed you know, a lot of the, you know, the abortion is, is often the kernel uh, of the problem. And so you have to uh, peel back the onion and discover where these things are coming from. And often it is the abortion experience that leads to many other issues. Right. And I'm guessing that it is like in this book. Now, we don't want to do any spoilers on the book because there's some really cool things that happen toward the end of the book. So we're not going to do that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know... It, <laughs> The uh, it is true. I'm guessing, just like in the book, that people are really hesitant and they're not sure they want to be there and all of that, right? Right, and I think one of the uh, one of the good things about the book is that it demonstrates the importance of the group dynamic. It's very important uh, to know that you're not alone. Number one, you are not going to be judged confidentiality is utmost in these groups and uh, that gives people the freedom. And many times it is the first time they have spoken this secret in their entire lives. And just getting that secret out helps to uh, get rid of the shame and the guilt and just enables them to open up, to tell their story and to receive, to receive God's word. Uh, about who they are in him. And uh, the, the, I, I don't think anything can, can beat the group dynamic. It's very, very powerful. And, and you're, you're talking about the secrets. That's one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Um, yes. What kind of a toll does that take on women when they have kept those secrets for so long? And is that 
often the case when with the women or or have many of them already disclosed it? No, I, I think more often than not, certainly the majority of the women I worked with had never discussed this with anybody. Wow. And some of the saddest stories are the ones who were married um, to their, you know, the partner who was, who was involved in the abortion, and yet they never speak about it for 20, 30, 40 years. Hmm. And so they go through this marriage with this unspoken uh, gulf between them that can't help but affect you know, their relationship. And so the secret is, is the thing. And I, and I, when I wrote this, I wrote it for people like me, but when it first came out and people read it, I realized that there was a, it really had an impact on people who aren't post-abortive because they don't realize what's going on in these people's minds, especially people who work in pregnancy centers and meet clients who are post-abortive. They just, there's a disconnect there. You can't possibly understand what these people are thinking and feeling. And I think the greater implication, of course, is to the people in the church. And to me, that's, um, I think, becoming, in my mind, the most important thing about this book. Yeah, I can I can identify with the sort of uh, not getting it part because I had a very close friend in college who had mm-hmm. an abortion, and this was before Roe versus Wade, so she they had to have a special committee of the medical physician, you know, medical staff at this hospital evaluate her for serious depression and all of that. And she mm-hmm. came back to campus and was um, very sad and was um, went through a time, you know, she would celebrate the anniversary of when yeah. the child would have been born. She had named the child. And I yeah. kind of just said to her, kind of basically move on. And I, you know, I was, again, I was not a believer at the time. I mm-hmm. so did not get that. And now going through this book, this makes me remember I could have been a lot more sensitive to her situation. So, yeah. um, you know, you, you talk about the fact that the women go through in these workshops exploring the reasons that led them to the abortions. There are all kinds of reasons. So I, I, I just want you to touch on some of the main ones that, that come out in your workshops. Well, I think certainly it's, you know, shame, you know, these kids that go away to college and I was 19, um, you know, I can't disappoint my parents. I like to say that I gave up my children for the gods of, you know, education and career. And so that's certainly a biggie. Uh, other women are pressured. There's a young teen in this book who is absolutely pressured by a family member. And that really is illegal to do. But when you're helpless and don't have a voice, that happens more often than you might think. At the pregnancy center, we used to kind of evaluate the clients. You know, if, if one of several things happens, if they lose the boyfriend, if they lose a job, if they lose a place to live, all of these are factors in making that decision. And they may have full intentions of carrying the child to term, but if one of those things falls apart, then it puts a whole different um, you know, situation uh, that they're faced with. And so that may alter their, their decision. So there are a number of factors uh, involved. I mean, every story is different, um, yet it is. Uh, and, and this is kind of brought out in the book. I think a rejection of the mother um, by the partner will result in the rejection of the child. And it's mm-hmm. very hard to overcome 
you know, trying to face those things alone. You know, at the pregnancy want- center, we say if, if just one person will come forward and say, I will support you, that can make, that's the, that's the difference right there. And that's uh, part of the, the importance of pregnancy centers because they can be that one person. Uh, I want to ask a, I want to ask a question that that really doesn't involve this book at all, but it mm-hmm. it makes me wonder: Do you come across women who decide to have abortions for revenge against the boyfriend or husband? Oh, I think that's I it definitely I think within the spectrum of reasons that that probably I mean that sounds very cold and crass, but yeah, I'm sure that comes into play. And and especially if they don't have uh, God, if they don't have the word. So, yes, if they don't have they don't know the word of God mm-hmm. in there. Um, one of the things that that also comes out big time in your in the book is the fact that depression, sadness and sometimes the result of that is to turn to substances like drugs or alcohol or to pick up on a previous struggle with those is so such a complicating factor sometimes and people uh, you know who've had these uh, post-abortive women don't even realize that that's why they're doing this did you come across that a lot yes a lot and you mentioned the anniversary you know there's something you know the anniversary syndrome for example can be a trigger which can lead to some of these behaviors and the interesting thing is uh we had a uh participant once who was seeing a secular counselor at the same time she came to the group. And I think I mentioned this in the book, uh, gave kudos to the secular counselor for sending her to, to us. But in reality, secular counselors do not even ask if someone has had an abortion. And this puts a whole different face on a host of issues. And they just don't, because it's legal, the government says, hey, do it, you, you know, it, it's good for you, it's something to be celebrated. Uh, typical counselors in the secular world don't even approach this subject, where it can be the key to so many different things. Exactly. And that, I think, is just um, a shame, a shame on um, you know, the whole counseling industry and, and psychology because they are just missing the boat with, with a lot of people that are suffering from these things. Uh, absolutely, because they they probably don't ask the question. You would know better than I, but the secular counselors, because they don't want to know. Because if you start yeah. documenting that this is a, co- a common cause of depression or increased substance use, then you you have to answer those questions at a survey. As what what are the causes of of a mm-hmm. teen and young adult women depression? Well, there you go. So, and they don't have the answers. You know, they don't have the answers. Yes. Right, right, because the answer is, and these are, and the women that you're talking to are all have a background in, in the church, isn't that correct? Although not, not all of them, of course, were walking, walking right. uh, um, steadily with right. it, yeah. And, and so this right. is a very big issue within Christianity, when within the church, um, yeah. and we have to, we have to deal with this. We are, we're about to come up on a break, and I want to just, um, mentioned we're talking with Cynthia Jordan who's written a book called A Future and a Hope and it's about post-abortion healing workshops and she is a, has a great experience in this and you can find this book at jordan-books 
www.thepeopleshow.com, and we will continue talking about what's the content of these workshops. And then, of course, her book, which is all dives into a, a, a group of women going through such uh, a workshop. So this is Linda Harvey. We are at Mission America Radio here today, missionamerica.com. Make sure you go to our website and check out all our resources, and we will continue talking with Cynthia Jordan right after this break. Don't go away. Today's program is pre-recorded. To learn more, log on to missionamerica.com. Now, here's Linda. We're talking about the post-abortion healing process and women who have gone through uh, have been blessed enough to find and decide to go through workshops for post-abortion healing. And our guest today has written, has a lot of experience in this area and has written a book called A Future and a Hope. And our guest is Cynthia Jordan. And uh, the book is at jordan-books.com. So Cynthia, we were talking before the break and you were starting to, we were starting to talk about the role of the church because your workshop is basically a Christian, uh, Christian oriented, uh, takes people through the process of of coming before God with all of this, and their, you know, sisters in, in the Lord who are in this workshop, and uh, tell us about the role of the church and how they could be so much more supportive in this area. Well, I think in a way, you know, the church is faced with many different issues today, and there are so many good things that they can talk about and support. But I think there's nothing more important than life. You know, we are made in the image of God. And I feel in many ways the church has really fallen down in this area. You know, I have spoken to pastors uh, in my role when I uh, worked at a pregnancy center. Well, we don't have that problem here. And, you know, after my head exploded, you know, (laughs) I, I just wanted to say, yes, you know, one out of four women, whether it's one out of four, one out of five, one out of ten, it doesn't matter. There are people in the church who are sitting there week to week, they're just kind of like half people because they're there, they believe they belong there, they love God, but they don't feel worthy to be there. And this goes on, can go on for years, because no one in the church will say, this is an issue, if this is your issue, God still loves you, there is healing, you are a full member of this community, we don't care where, we, where you've been, we care where you're going. And it's just an issue that, for whatever reason, churches very rarely talk about. And I think they're doing a huge disservice. You know, there's an there's an un, unspoken army out there that could be working for the church and evangelizing and helping other ladies, but they sit there mute because they're just too scared, too guilty, too shameful to come forward, and they're not receiving the love and support from the church that they should be getting. Well, the other issue, uh, that, that is absolutely the case, and the other piece of this, of course, are the guys sitting there. Post-abortion yeah. healing is necessary for men who allowed their girlfriends or wives to get an abortion, and mm-hmm. some of them have never spoken about this. I mean, talk about guys no. are always more silent anyway tend to be, mm-hmm. and many of them never come to grips with this. And 
are there workshops yeah, for, for men in post-abortion here? There are, indeed. There are. And, you know, men, as you pointed out, men and women communicate very differently and we think differently. But some men, I mean, it's very poignant. I mean, they, they grieve over their lost fatherhood. Or some, in some cases, uh, I knew of a man who just paid for his boy, for, you know, his friend's girlfriend to have the abortion. And still, was just guilt-ridden uh, after years about this. So yes, there are programs for men as well. And you know, this should again. I just feel so strongly that this type of thing should be addressed in the church. And I think it, you know, it just takes one brave woman or one brave man to give his or her testimony to kind of open up the the, the subject. And, uh, again, this is another reason for churches to work so closely with their uh, local pregnancy centers. You know, pastors are expected to know everything about everything, and right. they have, I think, one of the most difficult jobs in the world. But this is so important to work with the local pregnancy center who can step in, you know, and help in this area. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the other thing about, about this is uh, that if you are in a church— where else is there the better place to tackle the issue of forgiveness that is so, so critical. And you bring this out so beautifully in, in the book. And there's such a litany of people and situations that need to be forgiven uh, in a situation, a post-abortion situation. Walk us through some of those. I think forgiveness is the central um, benefit uh, to, to these groups. Uh, you know, we've had the girls say, you know, I, I'm so mad at the doctor. I'm mad at the government for allowing this to happen to me. I'm mad at, you know, you, you can you can imagine the list. You know, the mother, the person's mother, uh, the, the father of the baby, uh, a friend who took them, a friend who may have been a Christian but was too afraid to speak up. And so, you know, this, these thoughts are harbored. And sometimes it takes a long time to forgive somebody, and especially when you've um, held on to this for years and years and years. Um, so it, it's a central point uh, of the workshops, and it involves writing a letter, which typically are not sent to the person. Some of these people may, may be deceased, and so they have to deal with, how do I forgive this person? How do I live with myself and my feelings I'm having you know, toward this person who um, had a role in this? And ultimately, we know that if we expect God to forgive us, then we need to forgive others. And so that's what it boils down to. And it's, it can be a struggle, but it's something um, that takes time and is worked on over the duration of the group. Um, you know, there's a, I worked with a lady once who said abortion is a residue. It is a residue that touches everything about our lives. And so that is removing that residue is uh, one way of looking at how uh, abortion is just everywhere in a woman's mind and heart uh, afterwards. And you go through, there's so much in the book and I'm not going to do, we're not going to do spoilers because there's a, if you, you mm-hmm. get this book at the end, there's a nice, very positive, a little surprise. It's uh, re- very, very nice and very sweet. Um, yes. But there, there's just so many things that go through, of course, forgiving the woman, forgiving herself and believing that yeah. God has truly forgiven. Speak a little bit about that before we have to wrap up here. Well, I think people say, and I at one time said it myself, you know, and I think your enemy is there saying to you, this is so horrible. You know, you are just an awful person. 
And God can never forgive this. What are you, are you kidding yourself? You cannot be forgiven for this. And then you have to learn, you know, God hung on the cross for me too, you know. He, mm-hmm. he took my sins with him as well as everybody else's. And it's almost a form of uh, pride or you, know, you build this up in your mind that I'm such a, a horrible person that this can't possibly happen until you learn about the nature of Christ and who you are in Christ, yes. then, then the scales fall off, you know, and you realize how wonderful his gift was. Oh, that's wonderful. Cynthia Jordan, the book is A Future and a Hope, and you can learn more at the website called Jordan Books, and that's jordan-books.com. Just remember, friends, just remember, with God, all things, all things are still possible. Have a great day.